It's great, great to be here. Hallelujah. Anyone else glad to be here this morning? Sorry, you've got to put up with me and my rants. And, but hopefully the, the Holy Spirit will just move in our hearts this morning. We'll have a fresh zeal and passion for our Lord Jesus Christ. Day 42 of the Olympic torch being carried around this great nation of ours. Day 42, uh, Thursday the 28th of June, it will be coming, the torch will be coming to Nottingham. Woo! Where's Steve Weston? You've held the torch at one of the torches, haven't you, mate? Did you try and sell it on eBay afterwards? Good man. Some people have been doing that. This morning, I want to, in all this mix of uh, sport and mayhem that's going off across our nation, the Olympics come in, and we've got the football and rugby, cricket, tennis. Miss anything else? Croquet, ping pong, it's all there. If you don't like sport, you're a you probably want to move nation for a little bit, don't you? But, but um, you know what? There's uh, Paul the Apostle. I think he was a, a, a guy that really uh, had a passion for sport. If you read a lot of his letters, he speak of po- uh, sport and running the race. And this morning, we're focusing a little bit on those things. Um, I've, uh, I've got the kids, my kids' sports day rapidly approaching in the next couple of weeks. But I'm one of them dads. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen, seen go to any of the sports day for kids, if you're a parent. But they do a dad's race. And so I'm there cheering my kids on. And at the end of the morning, when they have the, the dad's race, I'm one of those dads that just kind of quietly slips away. <laughs> trying not to be noticed. You know when you're in trouble when there's a parent that turns up in cycling shorts and, and spikes on the bottom of the trainers. You're onto a loser there. So, yeah, there's some very competitive parents out there, more competitive than the, the kids themselves. So, yeah, not going to see me in cycling shorts. Praise the Lord. Always spikes. But I am in training. I'm going to make an effort this year. Where's Ben? Ben! You'd be proud of me, mate. He's come in. Wash your hands. I'm not in that much of an emergency. I've got Ruth looking. Ruth, you go back. You're meant to be in there. Oh, she's nosy, isn't she? I have gone. This week, I've gone for three runs. <laughs> Talking of... Sorry. Talking of runs. Uh, is that we... Ben, all I wanted to say was, you'd be proud of me, mate. I know you're an avid runner. I've, been, I've gone for three runs this week. Three runs. That's why I look as wrecked as I do. But I'm in training for the, for the kids' sports day. It's <laughs> coming up. I'm going to nail it this year. And I'm not going to be in cycling shorts. Um, what are we on about this morning? Running the race. No, we're not talking about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to look at a few things that are in Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And, and uh, Philippi is quite an interesting city. It was a city... Oh, you've had enough. Or every time I get up to speak, you walk out. Whether it's in the, oh, good. Run. Um, I know where she's going. Every morning when I'm in the youth, she comes in and has a coffee and pinches some of our cakes. That's where she goes. Um, Paul wrote this incredible letter to the church in Philippi, and it's an inspiring, motivational kind of letter. Um, And it gives a little bit of an insight into the city itself. The city of Philippi was a a great, wealthy, fought-over commercial city with a real mix of inhabitants. Uh, It was also a bit of a retirement place for veteran soldiers. 
they'd be retired there to enjoy their last few years, uh, time of leisure and wealth and enjoy what there was around them. But it was also a place where they'd got a, a stadium where they had gladiatorial battles, but also uh, athletic prowess, like you see before you this morning, um, was demonstrated in the stadium. Thousands of people would come together in that city to see people battle it out or to run races. And Paul was speaking into this city's culture that was all about that. He was speaking to the church of Philippi that knew all that kind of thing going off around them. And uh, you can kind of picture the Apostle Paul um, just like a coach. Um, some people think that he, had, he, he was just kind of through rules and regulations at the early church. But I really see him as a kind of motivational um, coach that was inspiring and uh, willing the believers on and drawing the parallels to sports and, and athleticism. Uh, he goes beyond the mighty Mick coaching uh, Rocky Balboa. Uh, he goes beyond Roy Hodgson's halftime talk. And this is what we're going to get into this morning. We're going to look at this incredible, motivating, challenging message by Coach Paul. And... Um, and where's, talking of Mr. Motivator, where is Mark Sewell? Uh, Mark is going to read from God's word for us this morning. If you want to follow it, it's from Philippians 3, 12 to uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Mr. Motivator, Mark Sewell, let's give it up. Let's encourage Mark. Thank you. Philippians three twelve. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point... I believe God will make it plain to you, but mm. we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Yeah. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Mm. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you. Dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown, I receive it for my work. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Wonderful. If, uh, if we're looking for a title for this morning's message, it's on and on and on. Something that my wife says I do often. But um, this morning, we're, we're, we're looking at a winning strategy from the Apostle Paul. Three points I want to share. Three ons that Paul speaks of here. Before we get into that, we're just going to pray that actually God would touch our hearts and open us up this morning. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that you want to speak into our hearts this morning. I pray that we would be open and sensitive to your Holy Spirit this morning. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you gave your all for us so that we can live a life for you. And Lord, we just open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears right now to hear what you've got to say. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. 
Amen. Three ons then that I want to share this morning. The first on that we read about in this passage is found in verse 13. Paul wrote, I focus on. Everyone say focus on. I focus on this one thing, he said. I focus on this one thing. We're living quite a multi-task uh, generation. Uh, we can do six things at once. We can uh, text our friends, be on FaceTime, be watching the TV, listening to music, uh, eating our dinner at the same time. We do all these things. Me, I still struggle with one thing. But we do. We live in a, a, a multi-task generation. And yet, we were saying last night with some friends that actually, in all this massive technology, sometimes it can seem to actually overcomplicate life. Um, and you know what? We, we can sometimes even overcomplicate our walk with God, and it becomes about works, or it, comes, it becomes about religion, or it becomes about mood-sensitive lighting, or it, it becomes about megachurches, and really, it's, the simpli- it's about the simplicity of the gospel. It, it's about the life-changing power of the cross. It's, an about, it's about an eternal hope. And so Paul declares that actually in all these different things, in a city that worships various gods, that goes to watch gladiatorial battles, that uh, uh, bigs up athletics and sport, I focus on this one thing. He said, I focus, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. See, for Paul, it wasn't about being distracted by the lesser things. He wanted to focus on what really, really mattered. And, um, you know, there's a challenge for us in this. The one thing we do. The one thing I do. In a world of distractions, I want to encourage us and, and even challenge us this morning that we, we stay focused. And Paul chose to stay focused. Um, there's no better point to focus on in the whole universe than Jesus Christ himself. Uh, anyone do perspective drawing in school? Thanks, Russ. You did perspective. Artists like drawing? No. <laughs> you might have done, or you might remember perspective drawing, is you have to draw a little dot in the middle of your page. Yeah, yeah now we've done it. And everything kind of seems to come towards that point. Yeah, that's right. You've all done perspective drawing now, haven't you? Now I'm talking about it. The one dot in the middle that everything seems to come to. And you know what? It's really a picture of that. That, that everything in life, as we commit our life to Jesus Christ, as we submit ourselves to will, his will and purposes, it's focusing on the one thing, that dot in the middle of the page, where really it's the point where everything comes together. Everything comes together in Jesus Christ. And can I say this, that there is only one way to heaven. The one dot, Jesus, laying his life down. If we focus on something else, some people say that oh, all roads lead to Rome. Uh, actually, uh, being lost a number of times, I can say that all, not all roads lead to the same place. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The one thing for us to fix our gaze upon, to focus on, and for everything else to come from that. For Paul, he knew that mentally regurgitating uh, is past, going over and over again, the way that he used to persecute the early church before he gave his life to Jesus. If he kept mentally regurgitating that, that, that actually he wouldn't walk in the fresh call of God on his life. 
And I've known so many people that actually spend so much time and so much money and so much energy on dealing with their past that they've nothing, nothing left to move on to their future with. You know, I realize that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, it's not a, a memory loss uh, thing, feature, added feature of Christianity. It's not a, an added feature that we forget all the things that have happened. And Paul wasn't saying that when he said about forgetting the things of the past. It was, it's about choice. It's about a choice of what we do focus on for the future. And for us as Christians, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, I really believe that there is always something to look forward to. And uh, Paul chose to focus on his future in God. And he, wa- he wasn't wanting to relish in past achievements or things that had happened in the past. This one thing, this one thing. I want to ask us a question this morning, and you might want to make a note of this. This question for us, and it's a challenge. In life's many things, have we really lost focus of the one thing? In life's many distractions, have we lost focus on the one thing? Um, you might have heard this story before. It's a, it's a number of years ago now that the, the first runner broke the four-minute mile. His name was Roger Bannister in 1954. Anyone want to confess to seeing that at the time, remembering it? Confession is good for yourself. Great. Roger Bannister ran it in 3.59. He ran that mile with all his heart on May the 6th in 1954. Uh, and it wasn't actually long after. It was a couple of months after that a guy called John Landy was the next person to crash through that, that um, four-minute mile mark. Uh, and he ran 3.58 uh, a mile um, not long after. And then after that point, there came a massive showdown. And I don't know if anyone remembers this. It was called the Mile of the Century. August the 7th, 1954, Landy and Bannister went head to head. And uh, the gun sounded. The race started. Bannister and Landy took off. uh, And at first they were running together. And then as the race went into uh, a final lap, Landy broke forward and pushed into the lead ahead of Roger Bannister. And uh, just as he was a few hundred yards away from the finish line... The story goes that Landy um, turned around to check where Bannister was, his opponent, and uh, Bannister sped past to the finish line and won, maintaining that title of the world's fastest mile runner. And in an interview afterwards, Landy actually told a reporter, if I hadn't have looked back, I would have won. If I hadn't have looked back, I would have won. Lot's wife would be saying the same thing, but she turned into a pillar of salt, so she couldn't say a lot at all, actually. But I'm sure she would have said as she was escaping uh, Sodom, and the story goes in the Bible, that she looked back. Look back. You know, re- resentment and regret are chains that bind us to the past. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks our future. And... Uh, you know what, it's, I really believe that forgiveness is key for us to move on from a past that we might want to forget. God's forgiveness, key for our lives. Accepting that wonderful forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers us. Our forgiveness of other people as well. Letting go hurts. Letting go the pain that other people, for our own sakes as well as the sake of others, to forgive. Forgiveness is key in moving on into our future. 
And so what we focus on can determine our direction. And I want to encourage this church this morning that we fix our eyes on him. A few weeks ago, we had a, Eden had a birthday party that we needed to take her to. Um, we, they, they provided maps because it wasn't local. It was a, I think it was Manor Farm. Is that where you're going, Trace? Manor, Manor Farm with the toddlers? And uh, so the map was provided. We gave ourselves plenty of time, and we, it should have took 20 minutes. After 35 minutes, we still weren't there. Penny was navigating me with the map. Um, you can imagine the domestic that was going off in the car because of the pressure of getting a, my poor little daughter this birthday party on time. <sighs> and um, 40, 45 minutes passed. We still weren't at the destination. And I said, can I have a look at the map? Turns out she'd got the map the wrong way round. So we'd been going the opposite direction instead of the direction that we're meant to be going in. Um, we'd focused on a map rather than the signs. We'd focused on something that we'd got the wrong way round when actually the signpost would have just let, led us there straight away. Sometimes we focus on things that we do get the wrong way round in life. We focus on the past when actually the, the signs that we're shown from heaven is a sign of forgiveness, sign of the cross, sign of letting go, sign of embracing our future in God. So I want to encourage us and challenge us with the first on that Paul shares. Focus on. Focus on. What is going to be your one thing that you focus on? Second on, on and on. The second one is verse 14. Let's read it together. It says this, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Press on is our second on. Um, you may have also heard the story of an athlete called John Stephen Akwari in the 1968 Mexico Olympics. He was a marathon runner and um, everyone was... Uh, going for it in the marathon, long haul marathon. Then the, the winner came into the stadium, took the lead, won, won the marathon. One and a half hours later, this guy, John Stephen Akwari, entered into the stadium. One and a half hours later, battered, bruised, fallen over, leg bleeding, all bandaged up, looked, looked a complete mess. But the, as he entered into the stadium, the, cra- the crowd got up, cheered him to the finish line, willed him there, and eventually he did cross that finish line. He made it. And then in an interview afterwards, there was a, a film director who was there filming the whole thing uh, called Bud Greenspan. And he asked John Stephen Atwari, why did you keep going? Why didn't you just quit? And he looked at the state of this bleeding man in front of him who looked like he'd just been in a war zone. And he said, John Stephen Atwari said this, you don't understand. You don't understand. My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish it. Wow. Talk about pressing on. Despite struggles, despite um, troubles and trials, John Stephen Akwari pressed on under the motivation that his country had sent him to finish a race. That is incredible determination and endurance right there. And you know, Jesus didn't go all the way to the cross for us to just start a race, but so that we can finish the race. Paul says about finishing the race and keeping the faith to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. I just love Paul's fire in his belly. He had some real fire in his belly. Some real Holy Spirit unction in his, in his life and uh, his determination. I press on. 
he said. Despite being shipwrecked, despite being imprisoned, despite being beaten and flogged and left for dead, despite being stoned, I press on. Wow. And you know what? If Paul said that in all of his circumstances and situations, what a challenge for us, church, to press on in all that we may be going through. Wow. And Paul wasn't saying that he'd got it all together. He wasn't saying that he's lived his life to his full potential and, and that's it. It's, it's all over. That it fulfilled all that. But it was a challenge for himself even, as well as the church of Philippi, to keep going. To keep going. To press on. And uh, you know what? If we're going to all of us be honest about ourselves, we'd probably say that we haven't got it all together either. Someone once penned that the, the room for improvement is the largest room in the world. And uh, I went through school um, seeing lots of notes in my margins from teachers, and one of them said, can do better. Uh, actually, that came up quite a lot. Um, pressing on. We've not reached perfection. We, we are looking towards the end goal, the end prize. Press on. And, and pressing on, it's a position of victory. It's a, it's a position of pilgrimage and not passiveness. It's no, no standing still. That's why Paul was always talking about moving forward and pressing on and going for it because he knew the Christian life isn't just about standing around and, and waiting for the end. What kind of race is that? It's not a, it's the kind of race I'd like to enter into. It's, it's running around the block a few times. but It wasn't like that. Paul was challenging us that actually, no, there's a moving on. There's a pilgrimage. There's not a passiveness. It's not a just sitting down and waiting for Things to pass by and then you get your call from heaven and there you go. Then It's a race. It's a, it's a pressing on. It's a moving in. And you know, I, I'm, I'm really encouraged as I look across this auditorium this morning to see so many wonderful faces. Oh, you've all got wonderful faces. But um, i encouraged to see so many people that have pressed on over the years, that have pressed in on God, that have decided that actually, no, they're not, not going to be passive. not just going to sit and come along to church and sit and just, that, that actually it's pilgrimage. I, I'm really encouraged as I look across this, this morning that, that um, the tenacity of some of you people that have faced trials and temptations and troubles and decided in your own heart and life that you're still going to press on. I, I was at Sorley last Sunday night and Dora's there on the second row, Dora Wilson, 100 years old, got a letter from the Queen, Oh, it's like the Queen made time for Dora, still sent her a letter. That's wonderful on her Jubilee year. Do- Dora, she was just, she's just pressing on in God. It's not, this is, she's still coming to church because she wants to hear stuff from God for her own life. She's still entering into worship because she knows while she's here, she's, she's got a place to worship God. Uh, pressing on. I look at you, Margaret. Just, uh, I was here so many years, and yet still so young. But pressing on, pressing on. And some faces that have been in, in Oasis for such a long time, pressing on, pressing on. I, it really encourages me. You know what? I want to make a bit of a public apology, actually, because I used to have the mindset as a youth leader that actually it was a, the, the, the Christian life is like a relay race. And someone comes along, uh, and then they pass on the baton. Don't have to, Nettie. And, um, and then their work's done, and then the younger generation come, come up and do what... Can I just give a public apology because I've changed my mind about this. I really believe that the Christian life is not a relay race. 
That, that actually, that, um, that Margaret passes me on, to, on the baton and I carry on and, and she, she just sits down and relaxes now because she's passed the baton on. It's a marathon. We're all still in it. If we're still here, if we're still here, there's still something for us to do. If we're still on planet Earth, we've still got a call in our life to worship God and love other people. And in this area, there's a call in our life to keep loving God and loving the people around us. There's no batons that are going to be passed on. Sure, there's ministries and, and positions and roles that change, but it doesn't mean that we actually give up. But we're in a marathon. We're in it together. We're pressing on. And as I say, I want to apologize if I've ever said publicly, which I know I have actually, that it's about passing on and batting. I speak rubbish sometimes, I don't know, but I wonder what you're going to say then. But marathon, keep going, keep pressing in, keep pressing on. You know, the veterans from the army might have gone and retired uh, to Philippi and enjoy their luxuries there. Um, but, uh, you know, there's no retirement in the Christian life, is there? But there is a promotion. But no, no retirement. No retirement in the Christian life. Press on. Last on then. We've had, um, anyone remember? First one. Oh, you've been listening. Second one. And last one is, anyone want to hazard a guess? Get on. No. <laughs> Hold on. Verse 16. You're going to say it, weren't you? Verse 16. Get off. <laughs> Netty. We still love you despite. Um, verse 16. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Anyone seen the uh, Lord of the Rings? Anyone love the Lord of the Rings films? Uh, you see the second, the second film. I love the second one. Um, and the second one, the, the, for those who haven't seen Lord of the Rings, it's like hobbits with hairy feet and big tall trolls. Um, <coughs> and um, and in, in it, that Frodo, who's the hero of the film, gets to a real point of despair and he just wearily comes up to his best friend, Sam, and confided in him and he said, I, I, I can't do this, Sam. And then, uh, then Sam, his best friend, little hairy feet hobbit guy, um, gave this incredible rousing speech and he says, it, it's, it's like in the great stories, full of, full of darkness and danger there were, Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back. Only they didn't, Frodo. They didn't. You can tell it inspires me. They, they kept going because they were holding on to something. Which uh, prompted Frodo to ask, what are we holding on to, Sam? <clears throat> it's a significant question though, isn't it? That, that Frodo asked. Maybe one that we all need to have a go at answering. What are we holding on to? Sam, <laughs> what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? We've seen in our nation people who have held on to their finances and the finances are crippled. We've, we've, people who have held on to celebrity and the celebrity is going to do one. We've, people hold on to different things in life. We've, we've carried out different surveys and questions in, in school in our lunch clubs and asked them what is the thing that they hold on to. And it's incredible some of the answers that you find that actually celebrities are up there. Uh, role models, celebrities, um, <laughs> family is a big one, important one for many young people. But I want to I ask us this morning, what is, what is it that we're holding on to? 
Um, once good that time, was it? I need to work on that accent, that impression. What are you holding on to? When I think about uh, stories in the Bible, uh, holding on, I think about in Acts 3, where Peter and John came to the lame man, been lame for 40 years, been placed outside the temple gates. And as Peter and John approached, he said to them, have, have you got any money? Have you got anything that, on you that I can have? And, and Peter and John, we read that actually their hands were empty. They had nothing. Their hands were empty. But we also read that actually in the, with those empty hands, they reached out to this lame man and helped him to his feet. And he was incredibly healed. See, sometimes what the, the things that we're holding on to, whether it's money or something else, actually isn't going to be the thing that helps us. Sometimes just having the empty, open hands and holding on to God in our life can actually be the thing that helps us to draw alongside people and hold them and help them up where, with the situations that they find themselves in. Incredible story. But it doesn't end there, actually, that, that when he was healed and he starts praising and worshipping God and doing the Holy Ghost harp, he was so excited about his miracle that the, the, a crowd of people rushed in to see what had happened, this miracle before their eyes. And we read at that moment that actually the man held tightly to Peter and John. He held tightly. He clung to them, it says in one version. He held tightly to them. And I, I don't think it was because that he was unsteady on his feet, because he was already going ballistic and like he's on some spiritual Red Bull, going for it, just set excited, going for Jesus. I don't, I don't think it was that he needed uh, holding up. I think he was holding on because of the joy that he just discovered in his miracle. I want to encourage us that actually we hold tightly to our miracle. That, that, that gift of salvation, if we're a Christian this morning, that gift that we receive, the gift of salvation, that we hold on to our salvation. I want to encourage us in that, that we hold on to the source of our miracle through Jesus Christ. Paul challenged us, as he does, did the church of Philippi, to hold on to the progress already made. It was the same word, same phrase that was used in that passage with the lame man in Acts chapter 3. Hold on to what Jesus has done. And you know what? It's so sad when we see people actually abandon the race of faith. It's, it's, it's devastating to see people fired up and going for Jesus and then abandoning the race. Uh, cross country at school. Anyone, anyone dislike cross country? Always seem to pick. Yeah, cross country, worst time of the year. Always seem to pick. Coldest day of the year, where it was the wet, wettest day of the year. That's, they seemed to like wait for the calendar to come round to the wettest, coldest day of the year before they did cross country. <clears throat> I hated cross country. One, because I was big and couldn't run around. The other thing was, just, I just didn't like it. I didn't like getting mudded up to my eyeballs. And, and the, the thing was, I often looked for shortcuts. So just as people are running around, enjoying cross country... I'd look for a jitty or a twitch or somewhere where, or some trees I could just duck beyond and then just pick up the race a little bit later. How naughty was I? Don't follow my lead. All the young people are there. It's all right. Oh, I hated it. But you know what? There's a real satisfaction, isn't there, in, in finishing the race. There's something that's quite satisfying about finishing the race. And, and, um, but there's no shortcuts. We sometimes look for shortcuts in life, and uh, 
And like we said, you know, a lot of technology today would try and provide us with shortcuts in life. Actually, it seems to sometimes overcomplicate things, but no shortcuts to an easy life, no shortcuts to making it. And, but, but as we think about holding on to the progress that we've already made, let's think about where this church has come from to where we are now. Let's think about the humble home that some passionate Jesus followers met in and prayed. And then let's think about the progress that they made into another building and another building. And here we are this morning at the Long Eaton School in Auditorium, worship Jesus, worshiping Jesus together. Some faces that, you know, that have been there the whole time and others that are recently joined. Let's hold on to the progress that we've already made as a church. Let's hold on to the... There may be people uh, that come and go in church. Like, there may be people that move on to different things. Uh, but you know what? God, God's hold is upon this area as well as individuals. And, and he wants to see things happen in this area. And I want to encourage us, hold on to the progress that we've made as a church. Persevere. Run the race. Go for it. Keep serving our community. All those different aspects of church life. Keep going for it. As individuals, let me encourage you to hold on. Hold on to God. Hold on to your miracle. You know, there's a, there is a big difference between holding on to your past and holding on to progress. And I, I believe that's why some congregations dwindle, because they'd sooner hold on to the past than hold on to the progress. Progress is uh, looking at what's happened, but looking at moving ahead as well. Looking at the past is just looking at the what's gone off. And I, I pray that we're not a church that would uh, hold on to the past more than that we hold on to progress. And, um, you know, you might ask this morning, well, how, how do we hold on? There's only really one way, isn't it, to hold on? Get a grip. Just get a grip. Turn to the person next to you and say, get a grip. Some of you said that with real deep meaning. Uh, get a grip. When I think about holding on, I also think about the story in the, uh, in the book of Samuel, of D- David's mighty men. One of his mighty men was Eliza, and Eliza um, held on to his sword. And what happened in the story was that um, the rest of the Israelite army had retreated. He was a man on his own, fighting the Philistines. But he was so determined uh, that we read that he held on to his sword the whole time, so much so that his hand actually froze to the sword. His hand froze to the sword. I don't think it was because it was a cold day. I think it was because of the the tenacity and the white-knuckled grip that he had upon his sword that he wasn't going to let the enemy take ground. Even when everyone else had fled and cleared off, he was going to stand his ground and hold on to that sword and hold on to the promise that he'd received. The Lord, we read that actually, even though Eliza did that, it was the Lord that brought about victory. And holding on is really important, church, for us in victory. Holding on is important in progress. Holding on, it speaks of perseverance. It speaks of endurance. And it is sometimes a bit of a white-knuckled ride. But hold on! I hate rides on uh, Alton Towers, places like that. I'm usually the bag holder when we go as a family to Alton Towers or Drayton Manor. I, but I did get dragged onto the black hole once. I 
held on for dear life. That was, for me, uh, you're thinking, oh, what a wimp. Uh, but for me, that was my white knuckle ride. I'm not going to go on anything else. Hold on. Hold on. You know, um, conversion is the miracle of the moment. But becoming like Christ is the work of a lifetime. And that takes perseverance. But I want to encourage us, as we think about um, pressing on and focusing on and, and holding on, that actually we, we just claim a promise that David wrote in Psalm 63, verse 8. He tells us, it speaks of God, your right hand upholds me. Your right hand upholds me. So when we feel like we're losing grip and clinging on to dear life by our fingernails, how reassuring is it that actually under our lives is God's incredible, mighty right hand upholding us. Uh, we're, we're not clutching at straws. We're not, we're not hanging on to thin air. We're, we're holding on to the one who holds all things together. And we think of Sarah, and we think Leo had his operation on Friday. Um, keep, keep him in your prayers, his, uh, his heart operation. Different people that we mentioned uh, this morning to pray about that, that that just remembering that actually in those moments of life when people are just hanging on, holding on, that it's one who is great, who holds the universe and sustains the universe in his right hand. And we, we can take hold, as Paul said, we can take hold because he took hold of us first. We can love him because he chose to love us first. We can forgive others because he forgave us first. We can hold on. And it's in his grace and his love that he holds on to us. We, we can take his hand because he extends it towards us. I just think uh, often walking around, uh, whether it's walking in town or picking, picking, doing a school run, picking up the kids, that um, I, I love extending my hand and my little girl running to my hand and taking my hand. And she sees my hand extended and she takes it. And I walk walking together. And that's what it is. We're walking with God, we're taking the hand that extends towards us. He holds us. And uh, this morning, I want to encourage us in what we face, whether we face unemployment or uncertainty or ill health or family struggles, I want to encourage us to hold on. Hold on. To, uh, as Paul put it, he said, to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. He said, hold on to hope, hold on to the promises of God, hold on to faith. And in life's battles, uh, let's hold on to the fact that good will triumph over evil in the end. I can't remember who said it. Uh, was it Billy Graham? Someone said uh, about the Bible and Re- at the end of Revelation, and he says, don't worry, it all works out in the end. <laughs> It'll all be okay in the end, something like that. It's great. Let's hold on to the fact that one day we'll see, uh, be able to see into our Savior's face, face to face. That one day we'll reign with him forever and that he holds us in his hands. I'm just going to finish with a, I conclude and just share a story from a, a marathon runner actually. And uh, in Tokyo, they have the Tokyo Heikon um, Marathon. I've probably said that wrong because I can't speak uh, that. Tokyo, well, anyway, it's a marathon. And um, this runner uh, was 200 meters in the lead for most of the race. And uh, he was approaching 
the end of the marathon. And um, for those that run a marathon, not me, um, but it, if there was a truck that was leading the way in this marathon, and uh, just as it, uh, the race was ending and the finish line was in sight, the, t- the truck turned so it was out of the way for people to cross the finish line. This single guy who was streets ahead of anyone else decided in that moment, actually, he was so focused on the truck that he just followed the truck. <laughs> Missed the finish line. The guy who had been running second the whole time ran past and made it to the finish line. How devastated would you be? Blood, sweat, and tears. There in first place, steaming ahead, followed the wrong thing, took a wrong turn, lost out. How gutting. What we focus on is important. If we focus on God, then I really believe we've got a God direction for our life. If, we want, if we're not sure what the will of God is, then just follow God. Make yourself available to him. If, we, if we're not a Christian in this place this morning, I don't want to presume that we all are, then how about you taking hold of Jesus? How about you accepting the forgiveness that he offers? How about you stepping into that, what he's got for you, just as Paul talked about? What is it that you hope for? What is the inspiration? What is the promise that you hold out for? And um, this is more about commitment than competition. But church, I really believe those three things are for us. And the challenge is, uh, it might be a challenge for you to sit and listen to me. <laughs> Laugh too much then, Matthew. Um, <laughs> it's not that bad, is it? Still laughing. Um, the challenge is not in the listening. It's not even in the reading. It's in the activating. So tomorrow morning as you face, or maybe this morning when you go back and face different things, that's, that's where the rubber hits the road. That's, that's re- in the activating of these three things to press on, to hold on, to focus on. That's where the, the challenge really lies. And I'm not presenting to you this morning a works theology. I'm not into that. I'm not saying that, you know, this, this, and this, and this. No. But see it as something inspiring and motivating for our lives, just as Coach Paul spoke to the Church of Philippi. Come on, church. There's more for us. Keep holding on. Despite the persecution and the suffering, despite those things that are happening, hold on. Hold on to the progress, church, that you've made. Speaking out to the Church of Philippi, you've come so far. Keep going. Hold on. Speaking to that church in Philippi that had so many distractions all around the city. Focus on. Focus on the one thing that really matters. That dot in the middle of the page. The cross for us. Focus on that one thing. And you know what? Just for that, like that guy, John Stephen Atwari, it was an incredible privilege for him to serve his country at the Olympics in 1968. But with the privilege comes a measure of discipline. It's an absolute privilege to be able to share this this morning with you. It's an absolute privilege for, and for us to declare that we are Christian. It's a privilege that we can claim that title as a son or daughter of the living God. It's an absolute privilege that Jesus calls us his friend. It's a privilege. Sometimes with the privilege comes a measure of discipline and Church, I want to encourage us to hold on to, to press into, to focus on, to not buckle by a life of compromise, but be moved and motivated by a passion and love for Jesus Christ. I'm just going to speak something over us, and I realize our time has gone. And um, I want to to speak a prayer that Paul um, wrote in this letter to the Church of Philippi. 
Can I invite you, if you can, to stand to your feet as we read this? Oh, Jesus. Somebody added a kiasa. Mighty God, we love you. Oh, Jesus. And I, I, I want to encourage you. Uh, you know best what you face when you leave this place today. You, you know best what you might face tomorrow morning at, at work. Sorry, Julie, you've got to face me. <laughs> you know what circumstances and situations you, or family struggles that you're going to uh, enter into this next week. But I, I want to encourage you that to really lay, we're thinking about laying hold on to, hold on to this as a promise for this week ahead, would you? Hold on to this. This, this letter uh, that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, almost in closing, he says this. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that again. Let's really lay hold of this promise. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs. Whatever you face, this situa- these situations you might face this week, whatever circumstance, whatever temptations, whatever trials, whatever struggles that you may face, God takes care of me and will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to ask if, um, if we would just maybe get uh, pair up with someone or two or three, maybe your row, and um, just pray for a holding on and a pressing on and a focusing on for each other. Let's lay, lay hold of this for our lives.